I started using the Christian Standard Bible in my personal reading times and quickly fell in love with its blend of accuracy and readability, so much so that I decided to introduce it to my church family in my preaching, and they quickly fell in love with the CSB as well. Folks, we can't stress it enough. The need for a faithful translation that is also a joy to read is of utmost importance, especially knowing research shows the necessity of Bible reading for spiritual growth. Not another Baptist this podcast is thrilled that LifeWay's Christian Standard Bible agreed to sponsor us, and we commend this version to our listeners and ask that you check out csbible.com or the link in our show notes to find out more. Until then, let's dive right in. Kyle, hit it! Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, a podcast exploring church revitalization, church planting, and other Southern Baptist goodies for your ear holes. I'm Matt Hensley, pastor of Mayhill Baptist, and I'm joined by Kyle, non-alcoholic beerman of First Baptist Church in Alamogordo, but you probably figured that out by now. You've also figured out that this is pretty well a train wreck or a dumpster fire, but you listen anyway because, well, onlooker delays. That said, we think today will be less train wreck e or dumpster fire e as we welcome a special guest to the podcast kyle who is this handsome devil with us this morning yeah we are uh, happy to be joined by dr kevin ezel president of the north american mission board this morning how's life hey fantastic hey thanks for letting me join you guys you guys have a lot more fun than i do i think in the morning so <laughs> Well, I, I think part of that is coffee, and and let me just air a uh, grievance before we get started. Uh, I'm, I'm going to lay this on your feet uh, right now, and this is pulling it on you because I love this cup. And I thought today, since we're meeting with uh, the North American Mission Board president, that I should eat the or drink my coffee <laughs> from the North American Mission Board coffee mug. But as you can see, uh, there's not room for a whole lot of coffee here, brother. <laughs> and I think you realize that us pastors, we're we're propped up and and like we're given life in the morning, not just by the grace of God and, and His breath in our lungs, but uh, mm. by the great being of great glory. And <laughs> I, I just would love this cup in like you know big gulp size, and then then we would right. be okay. Hey, I'll I'll put that on the list. I'm going to a meeting here in just a moment, and I'll tell them, hey, delay poverty, delay adoption, foster care, and internationals. We've got to get bigger coffee cups. Yes. Perfect. Yes. yes. Option. Absolutely. Great. Great. Put all of that on the table, yes. and awesome. and let's get the coffee mugs in our hands. <laughs> and and speaking of, uh, you you mentioned ado- adoption there a moment ago. Uh, we've 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 talked a little bit about adoption on the podcast. We're going to have a, uh, a podcast devoted to it in the near future. Uh, I've adopted uh, seven. Uh, not seven kids, a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old, and a 10-year-old uh, daughters, and uh, having a blast with that. Uh, yeah. I know that you've had some experience there with adoption. Could you share a little bit about that before we jump in? Sure, sure. I've got, my wife and I have uh, six children, uh, the first three by birth, uh, the, the last three by adoption. We adopted, first of all, a little girl from China when she was one. We found her in a, in a shoebox outside of a police station. And then adopted a little girl, three uh, from Ethiopia, Michael Ann. And then uh, she's now 13. And uh, JM, we adopted him from Philippines when he is 12 and he's now 19. And so 
Yeah, we have six kids from four different countries. You know, when we walk into a restaurant, people are like, how did that happen? You know, and so uh, <laughs> we just say, hey, look, I'm very competitive. Six kids, four different countries. When we watch the Olympics, we win. You know, yeah, yeah, that's true. Our, ours, ours technically came from four different states, so so that's about all, all I can say for ours. They, they at least came from different states, and and one of them at least at least one came from the great nation of Texas, and so she's my favorite. Uh, but no, but uh, so so you serve uh, the North American Mission Board, and and many uh, at least of our listeners are from the Southern Baptist Convention, and and so they're somewhat aware of what that is, and and uh, but but. But those that may be listening that uh, may have no idea when we say other Southern Baptist goodies or whatever it might be, uh, can you tell us a little bit about what is the North American Mission Board, what you do there? Sure. And Southern Baptist Commission have two mission boards, one international mission board, uh, some very unknown fellow named David Platt leads that. Uh, never heard of him. Uh, never heard of him. Yeah. It's a and secret. So he does the international part. And then we have a national mission board. Uh, that oversees uh, North America, and uh, that's what we do. We have, and, and the North American Mission Board, we have, our purpose is to send the hope of the gospel throughout North America, and we say, and the uttermost parts of the earth, because 100% of the funding of the International Mission Board comes from North America. It, our international funding is only as strong as our North American churches are. Right. Yeah. And so we have to plant more churches, and the churches have to be more uh, much more healthy. There's two primary ways that, that we achieve our assignment. One is through SEND Network, where we attempt to plant 1,200 churches a year. That's 100 a month. That's 20 to 25 every week. And that's our goal. And we're not reaching that right now because we don't have enough planters, but, but that's our goal. We need to do 1,200. So the whole arm, one big arm is the SEND Network arm where we assess planters, um, train planters, coach planters, and take care of planters. And then um, on the other side, we do Send Relief. And Send Relief is focused on poverty. It's focused on um, internationals and refugees. It's on foster care and adoption, on human trafficking and disaster response. Right now we have a big response going on in Puerto Rico. So um, there are two massive efforts, Send Network and Send Relief, but it's all really done so that we can send the hope of the gospel, the evangelism part of it is uh, a part of every bit of Send Network and Send yeah, cool. Um, so, so share with us a little bit about how you wound up where you are now. How 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 you found yourself as the president of the North American Mission. Yeah, like, what, what did you do in a former life? Yeah. Like, I was minding my own business. Life was good. I'm telling you, I was pastoring. I'd been there for 14 years, loving it, and uh, you know, it, it it I really was. I love my church. I pastored in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, right out of seminary, my very first church voted me in seven to zero, Hilltop Baptist Church in Fort Worth, Texas. My only unanimous call, but we did have a national television ministry. We were featured on Cops twice. And so um, it was in a very dangerous area. But then then I went to pastor in Tennessee and uh, pastor a church uh, there. We ran about 150 and grew to about 250. And then I went to Marion, Illinois for five years and pastored First Baptist Marion, Illinois. And then went to Highview in Louisville, Kentucky, which is located next to Southern Seminary, pretty close to Southern Seminary, and uh, was there for 14 years. Love pastoring. I would prefer to be a pastor today. It's more rewarding. Uh, uh, I enjoyed it more. I, I do feel called to do what I do. And, you know, God didn't call us to uh, 
be comfortable or uh, necessarily, you know, he, he called us to be obedient. I'm not trying to be a martyr here. I'm just saying what I do is not as rewarding as being a pastor. And when I did this, I looked at it as a step down. And now seven years later, I still am convinced it's a step down. Pastoring is the very, that, that's a, and I'm so grateful. It was a real funny uh, story real quick, if I can. My dad, who's with the Lord now, but uh, seven years ago when they elected me to be president, um, again, I had no dream they'd actually elect me because I, I told them I'm going to blow the thing up. It's It doesn't work. It's, it's functional. And so I just went in there with guns a-blazing, uh, thinking there's, there's no way in God's green earth that they're going to call, call me to do it. So they, they ended up doing it. They elected me. So I called my dad. He was so proud that I was a pastor. And so I said, hey, Dad, uh, just wanted you to know uh, – uh, they just elected me to be president of North American Mission Board. He says, well, okay, um, I'm happy for you. You going to sell your mower? And uh, the only thing he cared about was, uh, hey, that riding mower, you know, I'd like to buy that mower from you. He, he, it was a disappointment for him that I was not going to be a pastor. He didn't want to talk about it. But. So my own business, pastoring there, and then um, as I told that committee, look, the North American Mission Board, my, my mind was out of touch. Uh, it was dysfunctional. They were the Montreal Expos, uh, and they had money but did not put a very good team on the field, and they, I was going to blow it up. And so, and I meant that, you know, you know, hopefully we'd do it in a very strategic way because I didn't see, I didn't know everything underneath the hood. I'm just viewing it as a pastor saying it, it's dysfunctional. And so we did that when I came here. Nam had uh, – 425 employees at Alpharetta, its headquarters at the time, Alpharetta, Georgia. And uh, today we have 143. And so um, we have quite a few less here. And then across North America, we trimmed down and let many go that were not really focused on our, <clears throat> on our, our primary objectives. We let about 700 go. And the reason for that is Nam was just doing a lot of things, but nothing very well. And they're, they're doing things that churches should be, you know, really should be. They're, they're not a church. We, Nam doesn't plant churches. Churches plant churches. We come alongside churches to do that. And, and they didn't have a very high view of the church, I didn't think, and had a very high view of the church, of the pastor. And so now everybody in our building knows pastors are our number one customer. They lead the church, and uh, we are all about serving the church, uh, not about them serving us. Well, I think I think he just described me like the not not that whole the beginning part, but what you just said about doing a lot of things, but nothing really well. Really that's well. that's kind of describes me. The podcast, uh, fledgling plaster. I've got a music uh, ministry that I, I recorded a CD like six years ago, and that's pretty well done. Yeah. And, and, and both copies of it sold. So yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> my, my mother wouldn't even buy this CD. Like I, I gave it to her and I asked her a couple of you know months later, did you listen? No. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's my story. Uh, but on the other hand, you said something that, that stuck out to me. You said that you yeah. felt that position was uh, a demotion Yet here we are. You're on the Not Another Baptist podcast. I mean, surely that now you right. now now that you can say that this yeah. is now a promotion. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that was all before today. You know? <laughs> yeah. to, today changes yeah. everything. I've got uh, to completely now, rethink it all. I really do. Yeah. 
Perfect. Uh, well, many, you know, know, know of this little lady. Uh, well, not this isn't the little lady. This is Annie Armstrong. Uh, then uh, the whole tired joke about when are we going to pay her off? And uh, we recently finished up Annie Armstrong. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about what that money goes to specifically and, and some of the recent successes therein? Absolutely. Hey, and be careful about Annie, man. Uh, I don't know if you read much about Annie, but Annie, she's pretty sturdy woman. Mm -hmm. I mean, she kick your butt if you sparred off to her. I'm telling you, she's. That's why I always tell Platt. I said, look, uh, I know Lottie Moon's more than Annie Armstrong offering, but Annie could whoop Lottie any day of the week. Really could. <laughs> but uh, and we were very grateful. You know what? I didn't realize when I was a pastor, I didn't realize that over fifty percent of Nam's budget comes from the Annie Armstrong. And because, you know, just the name itself or a missionary it is sometimes for especially young pastors or planners, they, they think that just sounds so old fashioned. It's not that big a deal. But but you know, that produces over 60 million dollars a year to invest in missions. And the anything about um, and the same thing is true with IMB. Over 50 percent of their budget is from the Lottie Moon offering. Our any offering goes 100 percent to missionaries. None of it is used for any administrative cost, anything like that at all. 100% to our missionaries. We have missionaries throughout North America. If it's in sin relief related uh, areas, but also to uh, invest in church planners. And sometimes, you know, we, we do it in different degrees. It's a different uh, with international where where we may we may supplement salaries, you know, pay full time missionaries. We have some part time and some by stipend. And so it's a. Uh, uh, and then we also we have thirty five hundred military. We have thirty five hundred chaplains throughout the world as well. But Annie is there to help support. One hundred percent goes to our missionaries, and that's what we're most excited about and thankful for. Awesome. So we have a big annual meeting coming up this year, um, and and there's some key uh, leadership vacancies in, in our convention they're going to be filled here here soon uh so we believe matt, matt and i really do we believe that that the spc's best days are ahead of us right um how do you think that nam can be a vi vital part of that moving forward into the next five years next decade sure absolutely great question actually i think it would be best if they just let us take over the entire thing yeah. <laughs> i like it it's, well it's, said we, 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 that's a tweetable quote right there <laughs> Kevin Ezell says Nam wants to take over. We're, we're, we are taking over this. Absolutely. O you know? Only because only because you just realized you got a promotion. I mean, That's right. That's right. yeah. Yeah. today changes everything. You know, and it starts with, you know, IMB is obviously looking for a president because Platt's a quitter. And so. You know, we'll see what they come up with there. That's, that's another that, tweetable quote right there. That's, that's know, going I'm out. fully convinced that, you know, they're they're going to find an incredible leader there. Man, and you're right. The very best days are ahead of us. And that's what I beg the young pastors and these planners. Like, look, now is the time to get in on what God is going to do through um, the SBC. And uh, there's a lot you know, people out there that like to naysay or try to look at some of the negatives. But, man, when you compare it, it's it's. We are so incredibly gifted with very generous people. We have some issues. Everybody does. You've got to address those. We have aging, some aging churches out there with desperate need for revitalization and replanting. And but we've got to make the best use of the facilities God's placed in our stewardship and replant churches there, or revitalize those churches. 
we've got a lot to give attention to, but we are incredibly blessed by very generous people who are very missions minded. But, but we've just got to learn to do more with less as well. And, you know, sometimes we like to throw around numbers, but they get us in trouble. That's why when I went to NAM, it was amazing. I was convinced they were being dishonest about their numbers. As a pastor, I'd sit there at the SBC and hear all these numbers. And, uh, and, and sure enough, we were able to straighten that out seven years ago uh, because they were just wanting to tell people what they want to hear. But, man, when you look at the basics of the SBC, there, there is, I mean, there's not a better time to be a part of it. And that's why we have literally on a weekly basis churches calling and wanting to join who already exist. And I just think we've got as Southern Baptist to make a much easier, clear on-ramp to join the SBC. It's a little complicated depending on what state you're in, all that kind of stuff. We've got to operate like the denomination we really are and come up with a much simpler, user-friendly way of on-ramping. But there's not a better day to be a part of it. And, uh, you know, our pledge was every dollar they're going to give to the North American Mission Board, we're treating it like Lenny Fenton's money. And Lenny Fenton was a little sweet little lady, one of the seven that voted me in in my first church. She's in heaven now. And and uh, she lived in a two-room apartment uh, house right there by the church. And I just treat every dollar like it's hers because somebody's sacrificially giving that money. And we want to be the very best steward. That's what I want Southern Baptists to have confidence in is when you give resources, it's going where you, you want it to go. And we're being good stewards of it. Awesome. I know one of the things you mentioned was church revitalization. Uh, we're both in those efforts. Mayhill uh, is celebrating 115 years, uh, and uh, uh, this this year, actually next month uh, or or in April, uh, not not exactly sure when this will air. And when I came, we were running 30 or 40, and and have had as many as a 168. Uh, you know, averaging around 100 or so. Um, first Alamo, uh, I, I don't remember the the initial numbers, but it's had a little uh, more slow and steady uh, growth, which is important. Uh, but he's also in a very hard to crack uh, area. I don't have any other church in, in our town uh, and uh, in our town of uh, 57 or so folks that are just kind of spread out all, all over the place, it seems like. Uh, but uh, we we have done some of the roundtables and, and have read Mark Clifton's book and, and anything he tweets is like, you know, the inerrant word of God to us. Uh, but but what what is Nam doing uh, other than than some of that uh, to help jack wagons like us? No, absolutely. Well, we, we're trying to get the word out for that churches have options. And, you know, the, the problem is churches often don't want the help until they can't pay the light bill. They wait until it's too late. And so we're wanting to say, look, there are some real um, easy ways for you to say, look, this is who we are. How do we get from here to there? And and the, the problem is the same way as it with health. Sometimes people don't want to go to the doctor. They don't want to hear the doctor because they don't want to deal with the issue at hand. And the church itself doesn't want to admit it. You know, just send us some money, help us repave our parking lot, and everything will be better. And and it's just the same old, same old. And so that's uh, getting churches to the point where they realize they have an issue and they, and they understand who they are and then walking them to where they want to be. And, I, and Mark is, I mean, he's just is incredible at this. And he he is training trainers so that we can, again, I mean, it, uh, you know, we have literally thousands of churches that are plateaued and, and are in need of revitalization, a jump start. 
and and it's one of the, it's one of the focuses. It really is a sweet spot for a sp spot for many of the state conventions as well. I mean, they they really focus on existing churches. Our focus is on new new plants, and and but then Clifton is our one um, shot at trying to focus on revitalization and what we really call replant. You know, because they you take a congregation that that hands over a facility. It's great, amazing. We had a church the other day. Um, they had about 10, 15 people, and they said, look, we're willing to go in the basement and have church like we want it because that's what we want, and we just know we're, we we know who we are. We don't have many more years to live, but we want church like we want it, but you can use the upstairs, and we'll give you the building to plant a church in an upstairs, wow. and so now there's 200 people upstairs reaching the community because they, they said, look, we'll never reach our community, you know, but we want those stamps Baxter hymns, you know, <laughs> so um, they, uh, I thought, you know, you could, you could say some negative things about those. My word, they saw, they wanted to reach their community, but they just could not give up certain things. And man, that's a sweet way of doing it. They handed over the facility. So. Cool. Um, so as we get ready to wrap up here, what else is on the horizon for NAM that, that we can be aware of, or that we can be praying for in the days ahead? Yeah. You know, one of the challenges we have in the SBC and other denominations is evangelism numbers or baptism numbers. And we've got to be more evangelistic. I don't know that necessarily coming up with another evangelism resource is the answer. Because if you give another evangelism resource to a lazy pastor that doesn't use the first one, he's not going to use the second one or the third one or the fourth one. I just don't think resources is it. Like, well, I'd witness if I just knew how. I think most pastors, you just share your own testimony. You know, it, I mean, it doesn't take a genius here. You just share what happened to you and 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 do that on a regular basis. And so we're not really focused. We're going to have some resources out there. But what we want to do is come up with a 24-month, we're in the process, uh, a 24-month uh, program where we can mentor pastors and have some pastors that they would really enjoy sitting under. They would come to NAM every six months once, and but we have a 24-month process to mentor them to be more evangelistic. The other thing I'm really excited about is we're going to confront the race issue uh, head on, and because it's, I realize it's a it's a political issue in some sense with ERLC, but, uh, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, but where we feel like it's part of our role is it's a missional. You're never going to reach your community until you understand your community, until you love your community. And some people are just blind to the fact that, look, their community has changed. And you, you may want to go on a mission trip to some other country or in North America somewhere. But look, right there's there's needs in the shadow of your own steeple that you're not meeting. And uh, and, and race is one of those. I talked to a pastor from the south the other day and he says, you know, we don't have a race issue in our church. I said, you don't. And he says, no, we have we have nobody from another race. And, and I'm like, that is the race issue. You know, your community is 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 filled with all sorts of different ethnicities and different races. And my word, um, we just don't see it. I think, you know, in some sense, we're in a state of ignorance and or, or we just stick our head in the sand. And so we're coming up with a four part video series this fall for churches that they can take 20 minutes, show it to their folks, and then discuss it. Uh, just four parts lead them from a state of ignorance uh, to a state of real, a real sense of brotherhood. And uh, Dottie Lewis and uh, J.D. Greer are doing that. And so we're going to have that ready for the fall, and we're really excited about what God's going to do. Awesome. I, I know at the uh, last uh, 
uh, annual meeting, I was I was deeply burdened to pray for planters, and and then you gave me that uh, cup I made fun of uh, earlier, and and uh, got got you know extra blessed with my tiny thimble full of uh, coffee as a reminder to pray for uh, planters. But but more seriously, why why is that so important? I've I've served in a church plant before, and and uh, and so so I I know. But tell tell our listeners why. Uh, praying for planters and their wives and their churches and so forth. Uh, why that's so important. Well, it's, it's very hard, very lonely. And, uh, you know, sometimes you think ah, you really prepare yourself. You're going to go to Bulgaria to be a missionary, but you go to Boston, you don't think you need that much preparation, but it is a culture shock itself uh, to people, depending on, on where they're from, but it's very, very lonely and, and challenging. So there's two reasons. One, you pray for the planter, obviously the benefit of the planter. But also you pray for the benefit of yourself. I think if you begin to really pray for a planner and I think even pray for a city, you can get on. uh, Go to prayforplanners.com right now. Sign up to pray for a planner and we'll send you a hat from uh, 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 that particular city or a coffee mug so that you can remember to pray for them specifically. But it'll change your heart. And um, and that's why, you know, uh, my family, we pray for Pittsburgh. We rotate around. And uh, praying for Pittsburgh and the planners in Pittsburgh and that God do something special in Pittsburgh. And that's my whole family now knows much more about Pittsburgh and the needs because we, we pray. For yeah, that that was what was so fun about it is, you know, I had this list, you know, New, New Mexico, uh, I think when I started only had nine. And mm-hmm. uh, and we desperately need many, many more. And, and uh, guys that I, I sure you I'm, I'm sure, you know, Dennis Garcia, Chad Spriggs or whatever, working to uh, to change that. Uh, right. But I had this list of folks that I, I didn't know him from Adam. I just moved here uh, two right. two months before the meeting. And so I just started praying for him. And Dennis would would see, you know, whoever it was, you know, Troy Palmer or the different folks that were on the list. And mm-hmm. he'd tag them on Facebook. Then, I'd you know, they'd friend me or I'd friend them and, and then we'd get to share them. And, and now, you know, we've had a couple on the uh, the podcast. We visited with them. We've had coffee with them. We've hung out with them, and and getting to know their uh, their stories. Because you know, I, I was on the other other side of that before, and and realized that you're you you can very easily feel like you're on an island all by yourself. You might have a church. You might have elders around you or, or leaders around you or so forth. But there's a lot of struggles that you face and spiritual warfare that you face, uh, just like missionaries, just like pastors too. Uh, that, sure. that sometimes you feel like you don't have a team uh, behind you, and so that that was a neat aspect of it on my end of getting to know these guys. And, and that helps me pray for them even more specifically. Right. And, uh, and so, uh, Dr. Ezell, uh, we thank you so much for taking the time to, to sit in on a, a train wreck like, like, like this. We hope it doesn't affect your reputation anyway, <laughs> other than just sending it through the roof. Like that's, that's our hope and our prayer for this. Uh, but those of you that have listened, thanks so much for taking the time. And we hope that it was helpful and brought you some encouragement as you serve the Lord in whatever form you do that. If you haven't, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you enjoy your podcast. Give us a five-star review if you like it. If you don't, just please don't do anything. Uh, visit us online at www.notanotherbaptistpodcast.com or on Facebook under our name or on Twitter at NAB underscore podcast. And while I take a breath, Kyle sent us out. Until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare. And see, he can get it right That's when right. I write it down. Yes, so <laughs> praise the Lord for that. Thank you, Dr. Ezell. Everybody listening, have a wonderful day. Hey, thank you.